It really is maddening. Hello and welcome to episode number 144 of the Random Thoughts Podcast. That is R-A-N-D-U-M-B thoughts.com online. I am your host, Darren O'Neill. Got a lot to talk about today, including Adam Curry's latest appearance on Joe Rogan and how much of a royal pain it was to consume that content. Be talking about the crime wave going on across the country, why it's going on, how it's getting worse, and what needs to be done. We'll be talking a little bit about how even CNN and the Washington Post understand that this may be a very bad thing for the Democrat Party moving forward into the next election cycle, and perhaps a few other things, depending on how much time we start running into. But Adam Curry, the podfather, was on Joe Rogan last night, and this was the first Rogan episode that I really wanted to consume since he moved from the open format he was on to Spotify. Now, Spotify is free. You just need an account, and that's fine. But in order to consume the content, Spotify is doing everything they can to make it inconvenient for the people that want to listen, or in my case, want to watch. Listening would have been a lot easier, but I wanted to watch the episode over on the big TV. So I figured the Roku would be the way to do it. It was easy enough when things were on YouTube. The Roku YouTube app just works. The last time the Podfather was on, I was able just to grab the highest resolution copy from YouTube, and then just play that locally as well. For whatever reason, Spotify wants to make your life difficult if you want to consume the Joe Rogan experience in video form. And basically what I did yesterday kind of went down the list of, I looked for a download of the video, wanted to see if anybody was putting this out there in a less than legal way so I could just download it, keep a copy watch it on my TV, watch a lot of content that way. You can download a lot of video on the internet. Spoilers, if you didn't know that. So I looked for a download of the video that didn't seem to exist yet. I mean, there's ample ways to scrape different video sites like YouTube or Vimeo. Vimeo usually makes it pretty easy. They will give you a download link. YouTube doesn't really want you to download, but there are a plethora of websites that you can go to, enter the link of the YouTube content that you want, and it will provide you with a download of said video. There are different programs that'll do this, that you just give it the link, and it will then save the content to your hard drive or your machine so you can watch it at whatever your convenience may be. And I found out there is no such thing for Spotify. I saw plenty of people online, a lot of it on Reddit, talking about this fact who were Joe Rogan fans who weren't very happy 
that it was so hard to be able to download and archive the content because, as you may know, the Joe Rogan show, once it moved to Spotify, episodes started disappearing because of the content of those episodes. The powers that be that run Spotify, they're very woke employee staff, and I'm sure their advertisers didn't like some of the Rogan episodes, so they ended up just disappearing. I don't know if any have been edited, but I know a bunch have disappeared, and I guess Joe is okay with that because he's making the money, and that's fine. I don't blame him. I would take the money as well. But there was no easy way to take the episode link for Spotify because I do have a Spotify account. And if you don't allow it access to your browser, if you don't give it the ability to do the DRM crap, it won't even play it in your browser. So, again, everything is absolutely locked down. Uh, I looked for a way to download the video directly from my browser. And this works with a vast majority of sites as well. As long as you can see the little video player, you could go in, look at the source code, and most of the times get a link that you could just download the content direct. No, not so much with Spotify. So they're going every last little bit they can to keep people from downloading the content because they figure that's piracy. And even though it's free content, I get it. They want to inundate you with ads. Although watching the video, which I finally did, spoiler there too, there were no ads. So I thought that was a little bit weird. But the next step I took after realizing I wasn't going to be able to download a copy of this video was I installed the Roku Spotify app because that just seems like that would be the place you would go if you wanted to watch a Spotify video on your television screen because Roku is a video thing overall. I mean, sure, there's audio that comes along with the video, but I don't think anybody would describe a Roku device, the ad-based tracking device that it is. Yeah, and it's bad. So you run it through the pie hole. You run it through a other privacy device. I've got a Winston privacy device to keep Roku from being able to track everything I do. But beyond that, the Roku is a device that people watch video on. So I'm like, oh, great. Roku has a Spotify app and the Spotify app is only there because Spotify created it. This isn't something magical that Roku does. This is something that Spotify actually put the app together and I opened up the app. I logged in with my Spotify account only to find out that you can, in fact, only listen to the audio of the Joe Rogan experience on the Spotify Roku app because that makes a whole lot of sense. They have an app on a video device that will only play the audio of said podcast. I then went and looked and found plenty of people complaining on the internet, on both Reddit, I believe, and also the Spotify support forums saying, yeah, Spotify just doesn't really want you to watch the videos on the Roku. So these morons have a video app that will only play the audio. So the Spotify app immediately got deleted from my Roku and I went to the next step. 
which was, well, I know you can often cast these things from your phone or from your tablet, which means you can start playing them on your portable device. And if you have a television, if you have something like a Roku, and I've got a Samsung TV, I've got an Ankyo receiver, that's Wi-Fi. I have the Roku device, and I have a Raspberry Pi, which is dedicated to a being a Kodi box, which is something you can also watch video on from your network. Anything you got stored there, you can watch it on your TV. All of this I have hooked up. So I'm figuring one of the Spotify apps, they, they'll let you be able to cast it. I'll be able to start the video on my started with the Apple iPad Pro opened up the Spotify app, start playing the video. Damn, the video looked great on the iPad Pro. I start looking around. How do I cast this? How do I cast this? Oh, I found here's the button to cast it. Audio only on the television screen. So again, screw you, Spotify. Tried the same thing with the Spotify app on my phone. Same thing. I was doing a lot of app uninstalling last night because uh, they're useless. If you can't watch the video, I do not use Spotify for music at all. So the only reason I was logging back in and I've had an account going way back to about 2005 or so. And the only reason I was checking it out again, because I wanted to watch the Joe Rogan video, but that wasn't possible. So the only thing that I could figure out to work was probably where I should have started which was I took my laptop, which has an HDMI port on it, loaded it up in a browser, the Joe Rogan experience via the Spotify web player, and was finally able to watch the content on the big screen. And overall, it was a pretty good conversation. I thought it was interesting. My buddy Progo was complaining that Joe Rogan didn't remember anything about the Fediverse which Adam Curry had talked about in one of his other two appearances on the Joe Rogan show. But to be fair, if you saw the last show, uh, Joe wasn't really in any condition to podcast. And he talks a lot. If you don't use stuff like this, I get it. You might forget about it. But I thought it was a pretty good conversation about what's been going on under lockdowns. They talked about the vaccines a bit, the Great Reset. Censorship being a concern. Joe Rogan said censorship was a big concern for him with the podcasting space, which is, of course, interesting when you are a Spotify exclusive and they are censoring you. I'm sure Adam Curry was biting his tongue just a little bit at that particular point because Joe is not in a good place when one gatekeeper can decide whether his episodes make it out onto the internet or not. But when they talked about the vaccines, I thought Adam Curry had a great line and I had to pull it because I knew this was going to be something that would be talked about. If you've been listening to Adam Curry's podcast, No Agenda, you would know he is not a fan of the vaccinations. He doesn't think people should be forced to, as I don't either. But the line that came out, When talking about the vaccines, Adams said he believed that Donald Trump perhaps saw what was going on with the Great Reset, knew that 
the let's shut everything down, let's shut all the world's economies down was going to last a long, long time if there wasn't an answer for COVID-19. And that answer most likely was going to be in the form of a vaccine. And he did preface this by stating that he believed Trump wanted the vaccine very quickly, knowing there would be side effects, knowing that it might kill. He used 30% of the population as an example. He should have used 33%, but that's nitpicking. And said, even if there was this kind of a fallout, that it would be better than locking the world down indefinitely. Rogan pushed back a little bit like, oh, what do you mean he wants to kill 33% of the people? And this was the line that came from Adam Curry. If you had a shitty vaccine, it turned out it wasn't. It was a good vaccine. Hearing that, my brain broke for a minute again because listening to Adam Curry for six hours plus a week for the last how many weeks, I never expected the words. It was a good vaccine to come out of his mouth. And I figured it would be a good opportunity to point a few things out. One, to uh, have a little fun with Adam and be like, well, you know, one of the things Adam always says when people misspeak and say things on no agenda is the truth wants to come out. So, hey, is this the truth wants to come out? Adam Curry thinks that the vaccine is a good vaccine. And I also knew because I listened to no agenda for so long, what the media does when they take short little clips out, try to take them out of context quite often and give you a little blurb that might point you in one direction, even though if you had the whole conversation and you had all the information, it would point you in a completely different place. But in the troll room, which is the chat room that no agenda uses, there was conversations about this. And I brought up that quote just to see what people were going to say. And immediately people were trying to frame it in a way. Well, he just meant it in the construct of this or because of that. And that may all be true. I just thought it was an interesting line to pull out because I'm pretty sure it'll cause arguments which is really the point of social media, which they talked about also on the Rogan episode about the concept for social media, including Facebook and Twitter, is to keep you on their platform as long as they possibly can. And they found that the way to engage people for the largest amount of time is to get them riled up. And I think that's what they're doing. As I'm recording this episode, Donald Trump is having a press conference. They're uh, announcing that they are starting a class action lawsuit against Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey and Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg, maybe others as well, about Trump's ban, about the way they've been censoring one point of view. And it'll be interesting to see who will hear this case and what the results will be because as was pointed out by one of the lawyers involved in this, the Supreme court throughout the history of the United States 
has always been the body that was able to be the one that determined what is hate speech, what is misinformation, and other things going down that line. Today, that is much more in the hands, it seems, of the people that run the Facebooks, the Twitters, the TikToks, and all of those. On a somewhat related note, there is a book coming out on Trump that claims at one point he told General Kelly that he believed Hitler did some good things. And this was in terms of the economy of Germany at the time. You know, again, this is kind of like taking Adam Curry's statement and saying, well, you know, you got to put this into some kind of context. But no, we live in the cancel culture world. And the quote from the Breitbart article about this was General Kelly told Trump that even if his claim about the German economy under the Nazis after 1933 were true, you cannot ever say anything supportive of Adolf Hitler. You just can't. And we're seeing how damaging that kind of an attitude is when it's applied to the internet, when it's applied to social media, that, oh, you just can't say anything nice about Donald Trump. People want to say, well, you know, he came up with this vaccine. He pushed it. Well, he didn't individually come up with it, but he was fairly instrumental in getting the evil big pharma to get on it and get it done. But you can't say anything nice about Donald Trump. You can't say anything supportive of Donald Trump or you will get canceled. The concept that you can't say anything supportive of anybody is something that is absolutely insane. It is detrimental. I mean, pretend for a moment that the evil guy that Hitler was, let's just say Hitler was the guy that came up with a cure for cancer. Now, would you be able to say, well, you know, sure, he was a horrible person, but he did this one good thing. In the world we're in today, you can't talk about the one good thing because you have to deal with the person. Binarily, it's either good or bad. People miss out on the whole shades of gray thing that nobody's perfect. I mean, Hitler especially, but none of us are perfect. Everybody has made a mistake at some point. Everybody has done something. You know, they look back on and go, oh, I wish I would have done that a little bit differently. But no, this is the way this toxic environment that social media has turned things into is either black or white. If you're on the other side, you're the enemy. This is no longer a society where you can have meaningful conversations across party lines, across ideology. You can't do it. If you have a different opinion, then you better just stay away because the conversations just aren't had, which is one great thing about podcasting. Is a great thing about the guests that Joe Rogan has had on a show. You know, a lot of those of the episodes that are disappearing because they're dangerous because the Spotify censors don't like the content. It's good to have a conversation with somebody you disagree with. 
you may get some more. You probably won't, but you may learn something. You may at least understand a little more about where the other side's coming from. And an open conversation is always better than an all out war with somebody with having a hatred for somebody because they believe something that you don't. So we'll be following the Trump lawsuit and Adam Curry. Do you really think it's a good vaccine? Let me know. All right. Crime in San Francisco. Wow. They are doing it up right. The latest incident, Neiman Marcus in San Francisco was robbed by nine suspects who walked into the store, smashed display cases, grabbed all the Louis Vuitton that they could, and ran out to a getaway car that was waiting out front. As of yet, there have been no arrests, but that really shouldn't be a surprise because shoplifting in San Francisco, as it is in some other places around the country, not really high on the list of prosecutions. And that's turning into a problem. Walgreens in San Francisco, in the area, has closed 17 stores over the last five years. Target, one of the most woke corporations out there, has started closing early in San Francisco because of the massive amount of crime going on, the massive amount of shoplifting. And the reality is, this is because of the policies put into place by the politicians. This is what happens when you decide that the criminals are the victims and you don't want to hold them accountable for the crimes that they commit. This isn't a Les Mis thing. This isn't Jean Valjean stealing a loaf of bread. This is turning into organized theft, going in, grabbing just under the limit of what you can, which, I mean, it's a $950 limit in most places. And they're going in and they're cleaning out hair supplies, makeup. In this case, at Neiman Marcus, they've moved on up to taking the good stuff. And this is turning into the epidemic that it is because of the policies. There was a quote from a San Francisco police lieutenant, Tracy McCray, that points the finger at District Attorney Chelsea Budin and the criminal's first agenda, saying, quote, the criminal's first agenda from the district attorney is because he's not prosecuting any of those crimes as felonies or as a commercial burglary. The criminals realize this is going to get slapped down to a misdemeanor, which is the problem. Any theft, again, under $950 is considered a misdemeanor. And if anybody is actually caught, will often just get a citation. So they'll write you a ticket. And then, well, you don't even have to show up when it comes to your court date because they're not going to do anything about it. And it doesn't take a genius to figure out there's a pretty good business model involved 
if you could walk into your local Target or your local Walgreens or your local CVS on a daily basis and steal $949 worth of stuff, then go set up camp at the street corner or at a flea market, sell it on eBay. Who cares how you get rid of it? But you can sell the stuff at pennies on the dollar and it's all pure profit to you. But these morons that run these cities can't seem to understand that. The unintended consequences here are pretty clear. While I think most people don't approve of theft, most people would go, well, you know, if it's somebody that just went into a grocery store and stole literally a loaf of bread and some eggs to feed their family, you'd have a lot more sympathy and empathy for those folks than the ones going into a Neiman Marcus and everybody grabbing $949 worth of Gucci. But these people that run these cities, you could think they don't care. You could think they're too stupid. I think they know exactly what they're doing. I think this is the move for these folks to Marxism. The Black Lives Matter global organization, as we talked about here, is a Marxist organization. Marxists do not believe in personal property. You can say, well, I mean, if you're going out and you're stealing a bunch of Gucci and Louis Vuitton and Jimmy Choo's, well, then maybe you really believe in personal property. Well, yeah, the Marxist lady, Patrice Cullors from the Black Lives Matter global organization, also has millions of dollars worth of property now. I mean, maybe it came from your money, the, the people that donated to them. I don't know. So, yeah, there's that. But they hate capitalism. And when you hate capitalism, you do not like companies like Target and Walgreens. And you figure that they are fair game, that you can go in because those are just the fat cats. You're not stealing from a mom and pop store, although I'm sure they are. But you can walk in and not feel bad that you stole from Neiman Marcus because they're just evil capitalists that run that company. Now, the other problem with the concepts from these people running these cities, almost all of them, if not all, Democrat run, I know, that probably surprises everybody listening, but the other concept is you cannot protect your property with violence, meaning we've talked about it here on Random Thoughts, I believe. There was somewhere that said, You know, if somebody breaks into your house, but they aren't threatening you, you know, they're just taking your TV. They're just taking your Roku. They're taking everything you got. Well, if they are not threatening you with bodily harm, you can't shoot them. Doesn't matter. They're taking all your stuff. You're home alone. Could be a group of five of them walk into your house. As long as they're like, hi, how you doing? We're just stealing. We're not planning on doing anything to harm you bodily. You can't cap them in the ass, which I think is absolutely wrong because you are making it so people cannot protect their property. The police can't do anything about it because the district attorneys aren't going to prosecute the people that are stealing under a magical amount. And if that magical amount was, you know, 50 bucks. Well, then people can go into a store and maybe grab a loaf of bread 
Although with Joe Biden, the, the price of bread might be over 50 bucks soon. But this $950 number is absolutely insane. 950 bucks, that's enough groceries for an average family for what? A couple of months? I mean, it depends, I guess, what you're used to buying. And again, Joe Biden price is going way, way up. So it's going to buy a lot, lot less. So maybe they're just building that in to the number. But right now, that $950 number saying, ah, if you steal less than that, it's just a misdemeanor, which means you'll get a ticket if you get caught. You'll just get a slap on the wrist. And if you've been following this, you know that there are people that are going out daily, hitting multiple stores, often just riding in on their bike into the store with a black garbage bag, filling it up with whatever they want and riding right on out. It's why the Democrats want to defund the police. And the interesting thing about that whole story is the Democrats have been trying to turn this one around, including Jen Psaki saying that, no, no, it's not the Democrats that want to defund the police. It's the Republicans. <laughs> yeah, that's what Jen Psaki has been saying. That's what Joe Biden's been saying. And the reason they've been saying it is because they figure that the mainstream media is so in the pocket, they are never going to call them out on it. And you know what? In this case, they're wrong, which absolutely blows my mind and is going to call for some deeper investigation into what's going on because the Washington Post, yes, the bastion of truth, justice in the American way, the Washington Post, one, yeah, I'm being sarcastic in case you missed that there, one of the most liberal papers in the country has come to the rescue saying, no, Jen Psaki, no, Joe Biden, you're full of it. And this is unexpected. Breitbart covering this story actually put it under the headline of hell freezing over because their story says, quote, the Washington Post admitted Wednesday that Republicans do not support defunding the police following the White House's claims that the GOP backed such measures. Quote, Although Republicans all oppose Biden's coronavirus relief package, no one voted to cut or defund anything, the Washington Post wrote. This was in response to White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki claiming on June 23rd, quote, that was voted into law by Democrats just a couple of months ago. Some might say that the other party was for defunding the police. I'll let others say that, but that's a piece. The Washington Post added, quote, Voting against a one-time infusion of cash is not the same thing as voting to cut funding, so there is little basis to claim that Republicans are trying to defund the police. Yes, the Washington Post published that there is very little to the basis to claim that Republicans are trying to defund the police. The paper also noted, the Breitbart article says, that Pisaki was not the only member of the administration trying to attempt to spin this message to fool everybody that it is the Republicans trying to do that. 
A senior advisor to President Joe Biden, Cedric Richmond, was mentioned in the article for his comments, which appeared in uh, Fox News on June 27th, when he said, quote, the truth is they, the Republicans, defunded the police. As the Breitbart article pointed out, the Washington Post did not go in the direction of pointing out every time a Democrat has called to defund the police. So this Breitbart article does the job and point out the examples as follows. President Joe Biden said he supported reallocating police resources during his campaign. Vice President Kamala Harris said, quote, I applaud Eric Garcetti for defunding the Los Angeles police and said, quote, we have to reimagine public safety while she was discussing lowering the police presence in communities. Associate Attorney General Vanita Gupta said officials must heed calls to decrease police budgets and the scope, role and responsibility of the police in our lives. As Boston Mayor Biden, Secretary of Labor Marty Walsh proposed a budget to divert funding from law enforcement. Biden's assistant attorney general, Kristen Clark, wrote an op-ed for Newsweek in 2020 supporting efforts to defund the police. Representative Val Demings, Democrat of Florida, called the Minneapolis City Council, quote, very thoughtful for voting to dismantle the police. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, Democrat, California, if you didn't know, and fellow House Democrats refused to criticize the Minneapolis City Council for defunding the police. We know they're going in the other direction again, too. Representative Maxine Water, anti-Maxine Democrat California, told protesters to, quote, get more confrontational with the police. Representative Ilan Omar, Democrat from Minneapolis, called for dismantling the Minneapolis Police Department. Representative Cory Bush, Democrat from Missouri, called for defunding the police as a congresswoman-elect. A Democratic National Convention panelist advocated for defunding the police. A Minneapolis City Council member defended defunding the police, but said she didn't, quote, have all the answers on who would respond to violent crime calls. Yeah, see, that's kind of the the trick right there. House Majority Whip James Clyburn, Democrat South Carolina, compared federal law enforcement to the Nazi Gestapo. He later ignored looting and arson across D.C., claiming the only violence he ever saw in the city was from the police. Democratic Minnesota Attorney General Keith Ellison said he doesn't want police officers to respond to rape, which I don't know who he wants to respond. If you're in Minnesota, you may want to think about who you're electing. And the last on the list here from Breitbart, former Representative Joe Kennedy, the third Democrat, Massachusetts, said he supported Maxine Waters calls to confront the police. This is just one list of examples all put together by Breitbart, the author of this article, Wendell Husibo. And this is what the mainstream media is not covering. But the Washington Post is admitting that Jen Psaki and others in the Democrat Party are misleading you by saying it was the Republicans that were calling to defund the police. So hell may be freezing over. I'm not sure. We can add a little to that because CNN even got in on the game. CNN is saying that the crime wave in the United States may be the kryptonite 
for the Democrat Party as we come up to the next round of elections. There was a Washington Post ABC News poll that shows nearly six in 10 Americans called the issue of crime either extremely 28% or very 31% serious. More than half said that increasing funding for police departments would reduce crime. 55% of the people in that poll taken by a very liberal Washington Post, ABC News, 55% believed that increasing funding for the police would reduce crime. So the Democrats calling for the defunding of the police are not in lockstep with the people that are living in the country. And it is a crying shame that a vast majority of the people being harmed are in the minority neighborhoods. There is a ton of black on black crime. The amount of people shot in Chicago is staggering. It's the same in places like Baltimore, St. Louis, Los Angeles. And it's going to get even worse as crime is allowed to run rampant, where all these stores in those neighborhoods are going to start shuttering their doors. So the people that live in those areas are going to have nowhere to shop. They're going to have to go further to get their food. They're going to have to pay more. They're going to be in more danger just trying to get back and forth to the grocery store. And the crime problem, when you refuse to prosecute people, when you are the party that doesn't want to do that, when you're the party that wants to take police off the streets, the people that live in these neighborhoods are not stupid. I would say that a vast majority of people that live in the dangerous neighborhoods in Chicago don't like the crime. It seems that it's only the politicians that do. And you have to ask yourself why that is. Is Mayor Lori Lightfoot that much of a moron? She may be. That she does not care about the people of her city? Or is she just fully in to the concept that we need to tear the system down to rebuild it? Does she want Marxism so much that she's willing to sacrifice countless black lives in Chicago in order to make it happen? When you see businesses leaving areas, when you see crime spiking, running out of control, and your answer is to do less, I don't understand it. I don't understand where Jesse Jackson is, where Al Sharpton is, where Black Lives Matter Global is. Seems that they don't really care. Black lives don't matter. They are sitting back, watching it happen, and hoping things get bad enough that something can be done. I mentioned on Grumpy Old Benz, the show that I do with Ryan Bemrose, grumpyoldbenz.com, that my wife's car has been in the shop for a couple of weeks because it's been making a weird noise and they couldn't figure out exactly where the noise was coming from. And it turns out at least it's nothing that seems dangerous to drive the car. It seems that it's one of the sensors that is setting the traction control off. The guy over at the station who we've been using for decades in my family said, you know, I was able to make it make the noise 
while road testing it. So I'm pretty sure I know what it is, but I can't get it to make the noise when I put it up onto the machine to be able to determine which sensor it is. And his answer was, hopefully it'll get bad enough to where it'll happen every time and we'll be able to figure out which sensor is causing this problem and replace it. And that's kind of what they're doing in the city of Chicago. They're hoping things get bad enough that people will go, yeah, just do whatever you got to do, man. Even if that is something that is going to be even more detrimental to everybody that's living in the city, everybody that's living in the country. But this feels like what's going on across America is that people are waiting for things to get worse so they can use that as an excuse to do something. And they're not even hiding it anymore. Marxism, socialism, communism, if you back those things, if you want those things, I would just highly recommend you move to a country that already has those things. They exist. Go there. See what it's like. Enjoy it. If you enjoy it, stay there. I mean, the weather is much better in Venezuela than it is here in Chicago. So get yourself a ticket. Move your family. Go ahead. Let us know. Send us a postcard if you want. But I digress. I wanted to talk about the vaccine just for a brief moment. You know, the good one, the good vaccine. The mRNA vaccines that appear to be causing an issue with some of the younger males that are receiving it. There was a case, and again, these are early. So let me just preface this by saying that there has been no proof yet that the cause of these things was the vaccine, but it seems very possible that there is a correlation. This is the problem with any of this kind of stuff is that it takes science some time to actually investigate and figure out what's happening. And you don't want to jump to conclusions, but it would appear that there was a, I believe he was 13 year old boy out of Michigan that passed away three days, I believe it was, after getting his second shot of the Pfizer vaccine, one of the mRNA vaccines. And there was another story today I saw of another teen boy, I think he was 17, that needed to be vaccinated in order to be cleared to play on one of the sports teams, even though he had COVID over the past few months got the vaccine, and is now experiencing heart issues. Now, I'm very familiar with heart issues. I had a heart issue when I was a kid, was in the hospital for a couple of weeks when I was seven, and I'm pretty well-versed in a lot of what can happen when it comes to the cardiology realm of medicine, and I'm certainly not anti-vax. I got the Johnson & Johnson vax, don't have any qualms with that. Don't feel bad that I got it, but I will question why younger, healthier people are being given an mRNA vaccine, especially males, because with the Johnson and Johnson vaccine, the one issue that has shown up with the Johnson and Johnson vaccine is a blood clotting problem that appeared, 
I believe, nearly 100% in females. So why the younger teens, if people think they really need to get vaccinated, and we know that it's very rare for somebody in their teens to have a severe life-threatening case of COVID-19. But if you really think you need to be vaccinated at that age, especially for the boys who all of the stories I've seen with heart issues appear to be young males in their teens when they're getting the Pfizer or Moderna, the mRNA jabs. We have the Johnson and Johnson jab whose only side effects appear to be blood clots with women that are also younger. I don't think it was affected anybody over 50 or so, but a little bit of a wider range, but for women. So why, if you're vaccinating teenage boys, wouldn't you use the Johnson and Johnson jab? Some people might be, well, you know, the efficacy is a little bit less on the one-time jab, but it's like, who cares? They're teenagers. It's already, if they get it, they're probably going to have a pretty mild case. So if you're really wanting to go that extra step, it would seem to me to make a whole lot of sense. If your child is a teenage male and you want them vaccinated, get the Johnson and Johnson jab, avoid the MRNA. That's just logic. And I don't understand why that's not what is going on at this point. The fact that they vaccinated the 17 year old who has the heart issues now when he already had COVID just so you could check a box on a form. That's insane. Test his blood. If he's got the antibody, you don't need the vax because you know what the vax does for you, kids? It gives you the antibodies. It makes zero sense. It really is maddening. I mean, I'm not a doctor. This is not medical advice, but it's logic. If you have a kid, male, that needs to get vaccinated for whatever reason, you might want to think about getting the Johnson & Johnson shot. It gives you everything you need, and it probably won't give you any heart issues. Actually, contracting COVID-19 might give you heart issues, which is also something to remember which I you know, kind of then understand you're playing that game, which one is less likely to cause you serious harm? Because yeah, it's true. Younger, healthy men can get the heart inflammation just by contracting COVID-19. So, you know, your mileage may vary on all of this stuff. I'm not a medical doctor, but the mRNA vaccines right now and younger males Probably something you at least want to be aware of. And if you do have a teenager who got one of those jabs, look out for any kind of chest pain, trouble breathing, stuff like that, and get help immediately if you have symptoms like that. I want to thank you for hanging out with me on another edition of the Random Thoughts podcast. This is a value for value podcast, which means we put the shows out there. We hope you get some value out of them. We don't force you to pay anything. We just say, hey, if you got value, figure out what number makes sense to you. Could be a dollar, could be five bucks, could be 50, could be a million. I don't know. It's up to you. 
And that's the beauty of the value for value model. We have two people to thank for today's show. Both of them are over at our Patreon page, which is only there to collect money. At this point, no bonus content or anything there just to make it easy for anybody that's already in the Patreon ecosystem to sign up and do the value for value thing that way. And the two people we have to thank are Brian Janak and Dennis Woods. We appreciate your support of the Random Thoughts podcast. For the rest of you, if you want to take part in this experiment, you go to Random Thoughts, R-A-N-D-U-M-B, thoughts.com slash donate, and you'll find a variety of ways that you can send value back to us, including the donate button, which will take you to PayPal, where you can do a one-time or a monthly donation. There's a bunch of QR codes and wallet addresses if you want to go the crypto thing. If you do that, just pop me an email, Darren at randomthoughts.com, and let me know how you want that attributed, if at all. And you can also use the P.O. Box address. All the information is right there on the website where you can send in a check, money order, whatever you want. Your bank can do it for you. You don't even have to buy a stamp or an envelope. It's a beautiful thing. But we appreciate you listening as we rant and hopefully bring you some information that will help you out in your day-to-day life. We appreciate you taking the time to listen, giving us your attention. There's a lot of podcasts out there, and we appreciate that you are listening to this one. I will be back again next Wednesday with another edition of the Random Thoughts Podcast. But until then, I am Darren O'Neill. Thanks for listening. 